So we're finishing this series on pre-deciding. So we've, we've, we've used this pre-decide, okay, when I'm faced with this, I have pre-decided to take this action. So I've, I, I want to make better decisions because better decisions mean a better life. Uh, I want to overcome temptation. I've pre-decided how to overcome temptation. I've pre-decided that I'm going to be consistent. I've pre-decided that I want to grow in Christ. I'm going to continue to grow in my faith. He's the, he's the vine. We're the branches. We've got to stay connected to him. I've pre-decided to be generous. We talked about last week. So today I want to talk about what you want to do when you want to, what to do when you want to give up, when you want to quit, when you want to stop. Uh, maybe you've had a goal or a dream or a vision, something you started with, you know, because it's easier to start than it is to finish. Uh, you hit resistance, it stalled, you didn't get to finish it. Maybe you haven't made progress in the area where you want to make progress, frustration set in. Maybe you're discouraged, you feel like giving up. Maybe it's a relationship you've worked at, tried to restore, and it got worse instead of better. Uh, maybe you're fighting for your marriage. Your marriage is not doing great, but you're running out of fight. Maybe you need a miracle. There's something happening physically, emotionally, mentally, psychologically, spiritually, uh, that you, you need something to happen, and you just are not seeing it happen, and you're, you're disappointed. Some healing. Maybe your finances are a mess. And you need help in your finances. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe you've tried, you've prayed, you've believed God, and you're losing hope. So today, what do you do when you want to give up? What do you do when you want to give up? So let's pray. Father, there's people in this room right now who are thinking about quitting. They're quit thinking about quitting their marriage, <laughs> other areas. Maybe in their faith they're struggling. Lord, we just ask you to meet us here today and help us. Lord, strengthen us in Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't know if you've discovered this, but it's really easy to start and it's really hard to finish. Like Joe was saying, it's easy to commit to a six weeks diet until you're about six days into it. You know, and you're never as hungry as when you announce you're going on a diet. You know, you may, on any random day, you may not, you're not even, may not eat breakfast. You're never hungry. You know, you say, oh, it's, it's, it's one o'clock. I'll eat something. And you think about it. But you go on a diet, 8.30, you're thinking, I'm starving to death. I've got to eat something. You think, well, I don't get, you know. So you get to lick an apple. Uh, <laughs> that's one of Lauren's, Lauren's diet sayings. Uh, so <laughs> how do you persevere? It's easy to start. It's hard to finish. And, it, and finishing is more important than a lot of people understand. Uh, what do you think separates amazing people, you know, from average people, uh, from full, fulfilled people to empty people, successful people to struggling people? It's not intelligence or appearance or talent. Uh, it's not who or what you know. All of those are good things. They're helpful, but they're not the, they're not the, they're not the end. It's, it's perseverance. It's the drive to finish. It's the refusal to quit. Angela Duckworth did some uh, groundbreaking research on why, why people succeed that succeed. And she looked at teachers, uh, military leaders, successful business leaders, and spelling bee champions. I mean, that, that's a unique breed, isn't it? When you think about these, these really little smart aleck kids, <laughs> I mean really smart kids that are just so intelligent and she found the difference between these people was what she called grit. Grit. 
Strength of character that refuses to quit. Grit. Strength of character that refuses to quit. She said, enthusiasm is common, but endurance is rare. So if we want to have this, this, this perseverance, this strength of character that refuses to quit, how do we strengthen that? So there's a, some good, I mean, the Bible talks about this a lot. The Bible talks about endurance and perseverance and holding on and not giving up and not quitting. I mean, if, just look in your Bible app on your phone, not right now, look, and just look up the word endurance, and you will be amazed at the number of scripture references where the Bible is encouraging us to hang tough and to hang in there. So how do we hang in there? And so Paul gives us a great word in 2 Timothy 4. He's writing to his spiritual son, Timothy. And I want to just give you the context. So Paul has been in Rome. He's been in prison. Now he's been sentenced by the emperor Nero to death, and he's going to be beheaded, and it's probably going to happen in a couple of days. He doesn't know. So he's awaiting execution in a deep dungeon underground. Now, this, this dungeon is basically a sewer, so he's being held prisoner. They didn't have prison rights or prison care in Rome. They didn't feed prisoners. They didn't give them water, if, if they didn't have family that came and took care of them and gave, brought them stuff, they just starved to death in the prison. That was part of being in prison. And especially being in this dungeon, in this, <clears throat> in this difficult uh, situation, many of the prisoners just died from being exposed to the filth in the prison itself. So this is days before Paul knows he's going to die, and he's writing to Timothy, and he says this, 2 Timothy 4, 5, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Now, now think about that. Paul, who's about to die, is telling Paul, is telling Timothy, hey, keep calm. <laughs> think about that. I mean, you would think it would be Timothy saying, Paul, it's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. God's got you. No. Paul is telling Timothy, hey, hey, Timothy, keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering. Don't be afraid of suffering for the work of the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. As for me, my life's already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I fought the good fight. I finished the race, and I have remained faithful. First thing, first point, don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. I mean, this is his main point. He said, hey, Timothy, don't be afraid of suffering. Now, Paul understood suffering. When Jesus called Paul on the road to Damascus, then later Ananias goes to tell and talk to Paul and pray for him because he's blind. He's blinded from seeing Jesus. Ananias goes to pray for him so that he regain his sight. Ananias is a little reluctant to go. He says, I don't want to go because this is the guy who's been killing people. You're sure you want, you know, like, here am I, Lord, send somebody else. Uh, is there somebody else that could go? And the Lord says, no, go. 
For he's a chosen instrument of mine, Acts chapter 9, verse 15, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So he told Paul, hey, Paul, I want you to know when Paul, he called Paul into the ministry, he told him ahead of time, this is how hard it's going to be. This is how much you're going to suffer. And guess what? God wasn't lying. He did suffer incredibly. Here's one, just one response that he gives to Corinthians where he's kind of saying, you know, some people say I'm not really an apostle, but hey, listen to this. Listen to what I've been through. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I'm more so. In far more laborers, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number. I think I'd remember that. Beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. And it's not talking about that kind of stoned. I've been on frequent journeys. Some of you said, oh, I've been there. No. No. That's not what it's talking about. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. Now we've got one, we've got the record in the New Testament of one shipwreck. Three times he shipwrecked. I was like, hey, I'm not getting on a ship with this guy. <laughs> right? A night and a day I've spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there's the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. See, you know what Paul is saying? Hey, God said, it's going, Paul, it's going to be difficult for you. Paul said, it has been difficult, but it's been worth it. Everything has seasons of great difficulty. Life itself is hard. Life is hard. That's just the reality. Life is hard. You've got to wrap your mind around that. Work can be hard. You have, sometimes work sucks. But you're torn. You're torn because you like eating. <laughs> so you keep working. You think, you know, I mean, John Everett does AC. And I bet in about August... Actually, June, July, August, <laughs> those months when the attic is like 140 degrees, you th I bet that's like you're thinking, I'm going to make out my resignation letter right here. That, it's hard. I mean, there's just seasons of difficulty in virtually every job. And you may be at a job that you don't even want to be in. You're just doing it because you, you, you need a job. And sometimes you just do a job because you need a job. And it's not the job you want. It's not fulfilling. It's not, it doesn't make you feel good. But, what, but it does pay the bills. And so you do it. Even though it's, it's, it's not what you want to do. But, but sometimes you have to do what you don't want to do so you'll have an opportunity to get to do what you want to do. Your marriage, sometimes marriage is difficult. I mean, when you got married, you said, till death do us part, and that's tempting. <laughs> you know, I mean, sometimes marriage is very difficult. You know, Tina and I have been married now 46 years, and uh, there have been seasons where we struggled. If you stay married a long time, you're going to have some seasons where you struggle. David and Pat have been married 103 years. 
they had one bad year out of that. So, I mean, all of us, it's just the reality. I mean, because you always marry the wrong person. Do you get that? So the person you marry isn't perfect and you're not perfect. And so we, we, have, to, we have to work at becoming the spouse that our spouse needs. Of understanding what they need and becoming that. It's often a process. So sometimes there are seasons of difficulty and change. Often it's related to other things. Maybe because you're working at a bad job. Maybe because it's taking a lot of time. You're not being able to help in the house. Maybe it's because you've got kids that are a certain age uh, and they're giving you trouble. I mean, parenting is difficult. Parenting is hard, right? What, what season is the most difficult? Right now. Wherever you are right now. <laughs> I mean, you think, you know, it, twos, it, you know, why do they call it the terrible twos? Because it is. You know, the, the, they're potty from both ends. They start talking back to you. He's like, you know, hey, I don't need you. I got to change your diaper. I don't need you talking back to me. Parenting is difficult. I, I, you know, in, in the Rocky movie, I, I can't remember which Rocky movie it was, but he's older, and he's got a restaurant, and his son is complaining to him that living in the shadow of Rocky, his dad, who's this, you know, this larger-than-life character, how it's not been easy for him, you know, but he's got, you know, he got all the money, uh, but he's complaining about the, the hard time. And Rocky says, he says, I want to tell you this, it's not how hard you can hit it's how hard you can get hit and get back up again. That's not a very good Rocky. I'm sorry. <clears throat> it's the best I can do. I don't have a good Brooklyn accent. It's not about how hard you can get hit. It's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and get back up again. So you have to persevere. Number two, you've got to live with the end in mind. This, sometimes we get bogged down in the now. And life isn't a now. We're living for something beyond the now. 2 Timothy 4, 5. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Living for the right now can be crippling and debilitating. You can so focus on the moment you forget about the purpose and destiny and calling that God has put on your life. I don't know if you realize this, but you've been called by God. Every, someone doesn't believe me. Uh, <laughs> every, every, you know, we think of preachers are called by God. Oh, he's got the call of God in his life. If you are a Christian, God called you. You're just as called as I am. You're just as called as anybody you can think of. All of us are called by God. Now, we may be doing different things, but God has called us all into his ministry. We're called. You have a calling. Hey, did you get married? You're called into marriage. God wants you to fulfill your calling in marriage. Hey, are you a parent? You have kids? You got kids from other marriages? You got kids scattered around? You're you're called to be a parent to every one of those kids. You have a calling as a parent. You have the call of God on your life. You're called. You have purpose and destiny. What your 
what you're going to do with your life is important. It's eternal. It makes a difference. You have to live with the end in mind. This is not all there is. Today can be miserable. I mean, Paul's in a dungeon. You know, there's no air conditioning. There's no running water. There's, there's no food unless somebody brought it to him. There's nothing. He's in a, and he's going to die. Just think of it. So, but he, but he, had, he had a greater destiny than now on his life. Paul says this. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable crown. In the 1968 Olympics in Mexico City, John Aquari was a marathon runner for the nation of Tanzania. And pretty early in the race, he got caught up with a group of, uh, another group of runners, and they all fell out on the ground, a tangled mess, and he dislocated his knee and his shoulder. Fifteen of the 75 marathon runners who started the race stopped the race because of the, the injuries that they got in that, but he got bandaged up. They wrapped some bandage around his knee, and he kept going. When he got to the stadium, because it's a marathon, they're out running, you know, out through the streets. When he got to the stadium, everybody else had crossed the finish line an hour before. He was an hour behind the last runner and everyone else. And when he came to the stadium, I mean, there's like a straggling group of people that are even watching, have any awareness of what's going on. And he, he ran into the stadium and just collapsed in pain over the finish line. That's a picture of him there. Uh, later, they said, they asked him, John, why? Why? What? You didn't have any chance of winning. You, you were so far behind everybody. Why didn't you quit? And he said, my country didn't send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. You see, it's not just starting that counts. It's how you finish. So you got a call of God on your life to finish the race. Number three, if you're not dead, God's not done. We sang that. Did you notice that the words of the song that we sang today? If, if, if you're not dead, God's not done. We keep praying for healing and victory all the way to the end. 2 Timothy 4, verse 6, Paul says, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've remained faithful. It's obvious Paul's finished his race, but Timothy hasn't finished his, and you haven't finished yours. You may be discouraged, you want to give up, but if you're not dead, God's still working with you and he's working through you. You've got more to do. Loretta's here in this service, and I was talking about Loretta in the first service, and uh, Loretta has been an example to us all of persevering in the faith. She's just been a graceful lady who loved God with all of her heart. If you wanted somebody to pray for you, you wanted you want her to pray for you. 
She's just been faithful to God. And last week she said, you know, I'm ready to go home. And I said, we can't go yet. <laughs> you may be ready, but we're not. <laughs> and she's just exemplified. So she said, well, what am I doing? What's my ministry? This is it. This is a powerful ministry of showing us all how to finish. Showing us how to run all the way to the end. It's how to be faithful to the end. It's, it's how, and, and she's done so well, so glorious. You know, so you got, you got more to do. There's more for you to do. You're not done yet. Any of you. God's, you're not done yet. There's people to love and people to tell about Jesus and money to give, money to invest. We're not done. God's retirement plan is heaven. It's not here. God's got more for you to do. If you're not dead, you're not done. And here's, here's I like this. Guess, guess what? Even when you're dead, you're not done. Think about that. Here, here's what Paul says in 2 Timothy 4.8. He says, in the future, wait a minute, the future? You just said I'm going to be dead. They're about to kill me. I, my, I, all right, I'm done. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. In the future, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but all those who have loved his appearing. Still, Paul still had a future, even though he was dying. Because we have a future that's more glorious than our present. You see, and God wasn't done with Paul. Even though Paul is dead, his words still speak. His life still speaks. Your life will still speak after you're gone. Your grandkids and your great-grandkids, there's an inheritance you're leaving in them. Your life will speak through them. The investment of faith that you're making in them. He still, I mean... He, 2,000 years later, we're still writing a letter that he wrote in prison. He had no idea of the significance of that moment. He had no idea that about 450 years later, they're going to start looking for all the, the letters and start putting them together so they would have, have all of the Bible together, all the letters of the apostles together. See, so many people feel overwhelmed. They say that the reason we feel overwhelmed, David Allen in his book, say, Getting Things Done, said this, much of the stress that people feel doesn't come from having too much to do. It comes from not finishing what we've started. Can I throw that out there again? Because anybody here got any unfinished projects? I started not to preach this part because it was a little nosy, I thought. I don't say, God wants you to mind your own business. <laughs> you got any unfinished projects? Think for a moment about the things that you haven't finished that you need to finish. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's something that you really know in your heart. God's given you something you need to do and you're not doing it. You put it on hold, you put it on the back burner, and you've let it fade away, but God, you know God's called you to do it. Maybe, it's, maybe there's somebody that you're supposed to talk to about their, their soul. You're supposed to tell them about Jesus, and you haven't done it. 
You've been afraid. You've let fear keep you from following through on what God's told you to do. Or maybe God's called you in some kind of task in ministry. Maybe God's been telling you week after week, you need to serve. You need to start doing something. You know, God's been saying, hey, get off your butt and do something. And you're like, I'm just waiting, waiting for the perfect situation. When's the perfect situation going to show up? It's never going to show up. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 1, here's what Jesus says. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. You look good. You're fooling everybody else. You're not fooling me, Jesus said. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Do you have any unfinished business? Are there any broken relationships that need to be healed? Somebody you need to share your faith with? with? You need to give what God told you to give? Maybe you need to finish your degree. You need to join a life group. You need to start serving. You need to start a ministry. You need to launch a business. You need to lose 20 pounds. All right, forget that. I said that. Maybe somebody you need to apologize to. Finish it. Finish. We need to be finishers, right? Number four, why does it matter if I quit? What's the big deal? We always made our kids, uh, if they started like a sports team, we made them finish what they started even if they hated it. You say, why? Well, because every decision you make to quit is a vote towards your future. If you quit every time things get difficult, you're going to turn yourself into a quitter. You've got to learn to persevere and endure through difficult seasons and times. When you Stand strong when you persevere, when you don't back down. You're voting by saying, you're voting for your life. You're saying, I'm a finisher. When I commit, I don't quit. We need to make commitments that are irrevocable. Paul said in Acts 20, 24, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul was saying, there's nothing more important to me than doing what God has called me to do all the way to the end. I don't even consider my life worth anything. My life's worth nothing to me compared to to doing what God's called me to do. The reason Paul could finish is because he wasn't running for himself. He was running for the Lord. He says, my only only aim in life is to complete the task the Lord has given me. And he was able to say, later to Timothy, I finished the course. I've done everything God gave me to do. What happens though when you can't go on? When you, you just don't know what to do. You're at the end. It's a great story of the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. The British sprinter Derek Redmond. He was from the UK. He was favored in the 400 meter of that year. He had won the gold in the European Championships and the World Championship. 
And now he was favored to win. The 400-meter sprint, it's a 400-meter sprint. It's one lap around the track. At about the 200-meter mark, he pulled a hamstring. It didn't look like he'd finish. He was brokenhearted. He got up and began limping as best he could towards the finish line. While he's limping, the other racers, because it's a sprint, they finish the race very rapidly. And they're finished, and the course uh, referees are trying to get him off the course. They're trying to make him stop, and he won't stop. He just keeps limping in his lane towards the finish line. The race is well over. It's done. And he won't stop. And they're, <laughs> they're trying to get him off the track. And his dad comes out of the stands, lifts him up, and carries him to the finish line. He helps him make it all the way to the finish line. Now, here's what I want you to get from that. You never run alone. You never run alone. Our Heavenly Father is watching. If you pull a hammy, <laughs> you stumble, you get down. He comes down out of the stands. He comes down on the track. And all, everybody around saying, hey, quit. The referees are saying, get off the track. Hey, get out of the way. And he put his armor in him, lifted him up, and he made it to the finish. Now, you think, you know what? Now, he, he received from, the, from that race a do not finish because he didn't finish on their terms. He finished with assistance. I want to tell you, you're going to finish with assistance. You're going to finish with some help because the Bible tells me that he who began a good work in you will complete it. He's going to finish it. He's going to finish what he started in you. He will help you endure. He will help you per persevere. He'll help you if you fall down. He will help you get back up and finish the race. That's my word. Don't quit. Finish the race. Finish what God's called you to do. Persevere. And he will give you the strength to do it. Amen. Let's stand and sing this song. We'll pray.